Welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Driver Podcast. My name is James Rea. I'm an automotive columnist for Bay Area News Group, and I edit and publish the website, theweeklydriver.com, and I realized that it's in its 16th year the other day. That's pretty good. And uh, my co-host and friend is Bruce Aldrich, and today we have on, I was thinking about this on the way over to Bruce's house, I think uh, Chuck Woodbury and I have been friends for maybe 40 years, and um, Chuck was my boss at one point back when I was a Cub reporter, and as it turns out, small world, Chuck is my boss again uh, with RVTravel.com, and uh, Chuck just returned from uh, a very long trip um, with his partner, uh, and uh, we're here to have Chuck on, I think for the third time, to talk about the RV industry and how it's changed in many ways um, with the coronavirus and the, the, the new world in which we live. So, Chuck, um, thanks for being a guest, and where are you today? And You're back at home, so fill us in on where you've been and, and what's it like to be home. Well, back in just north of Seattle, um, technically in Everett, um, and um, it's nice to be home. It's uh, you know we were down in Arizona for a long time, and it was temperatures were getting up to 100. And Arizona at the time was pretty free of the COVID um, uh, issue. So we, we just uh, what happened was we set off last November to go out in our motorhome. Uh, Gail and I have a. a our 32 foot motorhome and we set off just to go out for um, um, a short period and uh, two months and then the the um, I got barking dogs around here this is wild yeah. um, anyway um, um, I'm sorry I got distracted with dogs um, anyway we set out for just two months and then the COVID thing hit it and when it struck it's it, you may recall it it started up in this country, right, um, in a nursing home in the Seattle area. Well, that was about oh, about six miles uh, from our house. So we thought, heck, we're not going back up. So we headed down to Arizona and and just ended up staying down there for seven months total of the whole trip. And we just got back. So, um, But we were comfortable in the motorhome, and we just, you know, kind of isolated like everybody else. And I can work from anywhere with RV travel. And... Um, so it was good. It was it was nice. I mean, it was you know you sit in the RV park and people walk by and some come over and visit and you know you just keep them eight feet apart from you and and so and really life seemed pretty normal, um, especially in Arizona because they hadn't really closed anything down. But then we left and then all of a sudden it spiked down there. So I'm glad to be home and isolated up here. Sure. Uh, and be a little cooler. So um, it's good to be home anyway. Seven Chuck, months is a long time. Now, had it been normal times, would would you have been able to find a place that allowed you to stay that long, or did you have to move multiple times? Well, we we, we going down. We, when we took off, we went down the Oregon coast, and we just stayed for a week at a time on these beautiful state parks in Oregon. But there was no nothing going on. We could do whatever we wanted. The parks, there was nobody out, and uh, that time of year and. And then we went down and went to the Central Valley and then stayed with my aunt down in uh, near Fresno for Christmas. And then we headed down to Arizona for the big quartzite RV show, this big uh, spot out in the desert that kind of all the RVers go to, the snowbirds in the winter, and just plop on the desert lands there for free and stay for you know, days or weeks or months. And, and um, then about that time is when the 
the COVID thing hit. So we ended up staying in the courtside in an RV park for a couple months. Then we went up to Kingman, Arizona, which is um, the couple stops in between, which is up 3,000 feet. So it was it was cooler up there when the weather started warming up. A pretty little mining town right on Route 66. And we ended up staying there for, I think, three months. Um, so we didn't do much moving around, but we have a little, we towed a little car. So we had a car to go do some trips and take some hikes. And um, um, uh, so, but it just, it finally, it just, it, it kind of slowed down uh, the pandemic up here in Washington. And we were getting tired of being, living in 350 square feet. Um, and, um, and so we just came home and, and, Park the RV in our side yard, and that's our guest house now, or where I go out to escape for a little bit of peace and quiet. Not that I have a big need for it, but uh, um, so um, so it was. The, the RVs are comfortable. I mean, we have everything in there. We we traveled for two months at one or uh, two years at one point, just a few years ago. So we're pretty accustomed to being in that space. And uh, when the weather's good, you're outside a lot. You, you, you don't don't really feel claustrophobic or anything it's very comfortable chuck whether it's uh some of the articles i've read from contributors to rv travel or it's during conversations you have you and i have had um in recent mm-hmm. months uh there have been some differences of opinion when you're, you're an rv uh trailer park owner or a state campground what are some of the things that you guys experienced where their people were upset or not playing by the rules or playing by the rules and they didn't have to or was there there was some controversy did it depend on where you were or or fill us in on on yeah. what the, the industry as a whole has said about the situation we're in well i think the problem was is that um early on um states were really panicking and they were closing everything down and they started closing down rv parks um, the, the, generally they would say, if you're there now, you can stay, but you can't come and stay. And if you, uh, in some cases they'd, they'd say you can stay, but you've got to stay a minimum of a month or two months. And basically, um, they put RV parks in the same category as a restaurant or any other place where people go and get public. And, um, and of course that was misguided, um, because when you're in an RV, um, a self-contained RV, you, you basically, the only time you have to step outside is, well, really, you don't have to unless you get some groceries or something. You can just yes. stay in there all the time. And there's no problem with uh, being exposed to other people unless you are just like anybody else that stays in a house and goes out in public and doesn't wear a mask or isn't careful. It's, it's no different. So mm-hmm. that caused a lot of problems. And then when the parks did reopen, Sometimes um, the RV parks, people would come in and they they just weren't accustomed to the laws that the state had uh, mandated, saying, for example, that they had to wear a mask every time they were outside. And if the RV park owner didn't enforce it, they got in tr- they risked getting in trouble. Um, but the people said, heck with you, I'm not going to wear a mask when I'm sitting outside my RV and there's nobody within 50 feet of me. Mm-hmm. So for RV park owners, it presented a problem. And there was some there was some real rude campers out there who just uh, didn't want to play by the rules. So it was, it was a problem and still is. Um, but now most of the parks have reopened. But uh, hopefully this round, if things get worse, which seems likely, um, Hopefully this time the, the state governments will allow these parks to stay open because they're all filled up now. So many people are buying RVs yes. um, to live in them. And 
um, just it's the only way to travel now. So it's it's become very popular. Um, uh, that will present new problems with crowding, but uh, that's another topic. Yes. So that's part of the reason why the the big huge uh, increase in sales. Tell us about that. Why why the increase? Well, I didn't really expect it. I, I really thought when this started, I thought that the RV industry was just going to tank for a while. But but what I really didn't understand, and most people didn't understand, was that there's it's the safest way to travel. I mean, you sleep in your own bed at night, you cook your own food, you um, have your own bathroom. Um, you don't have to share, be out with the public unless you want to go out, wear a mask, keep your distance. And in Kingman, for example, we had a beautiful trail right behind where we stayed. We'd hike up into the desert and hardly see another person. And, um, um, but so what happened is, is that, um, people, uh, realized that, Hey, this is one way we can travel. We're not going to Europe. We're not taking cruises. Um, we don't want to get on a plane. We don't want to even want to get on a bus or a train. And so they've gone out and they bought RVs or in some cases they rent them. Um, and uh, it's just been huge. The sales have been huge. There was a big glut out there um, in the last year because of the huge sales in recent years, the huge shipments, and not all of them sold. So there was a lot of inventory out there. But I'm hearing now that some dealers are running out of inventory in the factories. Um, about uh, nine out of 10 RVs are made in the Elkhart, Indiana area. Um, and those factories have come back um, to partial opening, but you know when uh, when an RV is being worked on, you can have six people inside a little RV at one time doing something, putting in upholstery or or you know uh, installing toilets, whatever. And so it's hard to self isolate. And now Elkhart has got a um, uh, there's a, the coronavirus is uh, cases are are spiking there. So it's I, I wonder if if uh, the demand is there if they're going to be able to, to keep up with it. And that's what's going to, that's what's going to um, reveal itself in uh, two, three, four months if people keep buying these things, and they probably will. Uh, Chuck, we've discussed this before, uh, whether it's on a podcast or you are at the forefront of this. Do you think the increase in sales, because of exactly what you just explained, would also increase mm-hmm. the... Um, the quality control of RVs. So maybe there's going to be a, uh, uh, to use the word spike, maybe there's going to be a spike in, in lemons where people are frustrated and they get big uh, repair bills. Maybe it's too early to know about that, but it seems if the more you're building or the more you're selling that the more you want to turn out, maybe that maybe the quality control isn't there either. Well, you know, I think back, you go back about two years when RVers were, when they're selling a half a million a year, and they, in, in Elkhart, for example, the McDonald's there had to close the whole store other than it's, it kept its drive-in window, but it, they couldn't find employees to work in the fast food places because every single person in Elkhart was working in the RV factories, gotcha. um, better pay. And they, and they got so bad that they, um, quit doing drug tests on employees. Uh, Indiana has a very high, um, rate of drug use, um, the state, um, and I don't remember what the figure was, but early on when the factories were gearing up, a lot of a lot of uh, people applying for jobs were failing the drug tests. Well, finally, it got to the point where they needed bodies so badly that they were not, uh, many of the companies at least were not requiring drug, drug tests. You just 
They just needed people to get in there and with their staple guns and glue guns and whatever else and do their thing. Um, um, now I've lost my train of thought where I started. That, that sounds like great quality control you got going there. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Druggies yeah. putting these yeah, things together. The, okay, the quality control, I'm sorry, is um, I don't know that it's any, any different right now than it was. I mean, you got fewer people, but um, they're only half. Um, you know, I really don't have a sense of whether the, anything's coming out better or worse, but I mean, you you still got a lot of people buying these things right now that have that sort of just decided to do it, and um, and they don't know what they're buying and they don't know what to look for. And if they buy a uh, RV with defects, which is almost all RVs you buy new have problems, and you have to you just get it, you make a list of what's wrong, take it back, get it fixed. Well. There's always been a shortage of technicians, and I suspect right now with um, big sales and uh, probably um, uh, not as many technicians, uh, um, I suspect that the waits to get RVs uh, fixed are going to be longer. And I mean, you know, as it is, um, 90% of the RVs are fine; people can use them. But there's 10% of them that require some serious work, and there are RVers out there commonly that have to wait weeks or months to get something repaired and we hear about it all the time so quality i don't know if it's going to be any different now than it was um can't get any worse huh yeah Yeah, i don't know it's it's been a problem forever and ever i mean people have been talking about it for 20 or 30 years you know an rv is a when you think of uh, people think oh they're on an assembly line and they think of like an automobile assembly line well if you look at an automobile assembly line it's all much of it is just a bunch of robots that are sitting there doing everything precisely. Well, you've got a, um, a production line in a RV factory is very primitive. It's the RVs move down through the, the warehouse, the, the plant, and a different group of people then will perform their whatever they're doing, whether they're installing the refrigerators or they're putting in carpeting or they're putting the roofs on, whatever. So it's you're building a little house with all these different people involved, and you know, if, if some guy was out late last night and stayed at the bar until four in the morning and came to work at seven, um, he's still occup- doing that one duty. And you, 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 so you don't know, and much of what goes into an RV is not visible to buyers. So you can't tell if those screws are put in properly or, if, um, you know, you can't look inside the, the, the guts of the thing. So um, people, um, buy an RV that looks good, but it may not, you know, it may leak, for example, you got to, and leaking is a terrible thing in an RV. It can just ruin them if, if, uh, because of mold and mildew and, um, um, and just the wood rotting away. So, um, so quality with RVs has always been an issue. And then of course you're going down the roads and our roads today are so awful that you're these, these little cabins, um, on wheels are, being bounced around the same as if just imagine your home was being jarred, you know, bounced around every single day or every other day or whenever you took it out. And, you know, that's pretty tough to keep all those screws in there and, and things from pulling apart and breaking, whatever. So there's a lot of things going on. And um, if it's not made right at the beginning, um, those things can show up and, and really cause problems. So, um, it's always going to be an issue. The question is, is can um, people uh, find places um, to get them repaired from uh, quality technicians? And remember, an RV technician 
if you if you have a problem at your home, for example, and you have a problem with your plumbing, you call a plumber or you call an electrician for an electrical problem. You go into an RV uh, uh, place with with your RV, and, and your, those technicians have to be plumbers, electricians, carpenters. They have to know all this stuff, and they're making fifteen, sixteen, eighteen dollars an hour. Um, you know, and they're not always accomplished at all of these. Um, and they're high, these, huh? Uh, and they're, they're high besides. That's right. They're stoned, too. Um, yeah, uh, they could be. And, could be. And, and the, the, the dealer's charging between $100 and $140 an hour for repair. And if a guy doesn't know how the complex electrical system works, and you pull into some little town in, in the middle of nowhere and just try to get your car repaired. and right. um See how see if you can find some. Imagine an RV with all these advanced electronics and and um, you know it, it it can be tough and and it's a problem. And so people being ignorant when they buy or just dreaming that this is go, this is going to be like a car. You're going to get it. And you're going to go out next weekend and everything's going to work. It's not that way. So um, that's something that is part of the whole equation as well. Sure. Um, since I've been back. Uh contributing to the site in recent months mm-hmm. you know my my interest has peaked in learning more and more and I'm, I'm wondering if the rv industry i'm not quite sure how to say this but it, it complements mm-hmm. the truck industry and on number number one and number two i think that you and gail have a honda fit if i'm not mistaken mm-hmm. and so i'm wondering if yeah. the increase in rv sales and the popularity of it would would help those other industries, you know, I'm, I'm reading and noticing more about uh-huh. towing capacity and, and, and yeah. some of that yeah. kind of stuff as well. And even, even, uh, conversions, uh, not necessarily in, in regular mm-hmm. RVs, but people who are taking what, uh, Mercedes Benz trucks and converting them into smaller. So the whole industry seems to be, mm-hmm. maybe it all complements each other on some levels. Yeah, it does. I mean, if, if you're going to buy a, a, one of the most popular fifth, uh, RVs today is called a fifth wheel. Yes. It doesn't have five wheels, but it's but it's basically anybody who's observed RVs on the road. No, it looks like a trailer, but it, the upper part of the front is over the pickup. Yes. Um, over a pickup truck. Yes. It's, it's got to be pulled by a pickup truck. So if you buy this RV, um, it's going to be less than a motorhome because it doesn't have an engine, but you're going to have to buy a, a good-sized pickup truck depending on the size. I know we did a survey of our readers, and we have about a quarter million readers a month. Um, and 80% said they own a pickup. Well, I've, I, I, that stunned me because not everybody has a fifth wheel, but, um, but there's a lot of pickups that are being sold to pull RVs. And, um, I'm, I'm sure that there's people that, that buy them to pull a traditional trailer. And of course the, the Sprinter, the Mercedes Sprinter, um, uh, uh, chassis is, um, very popular now with small motor homes. It's, it's, uh, started off in Europe. They're little diesel engines that run forever. And, um, so they, they turn them in these 24 foot, um, class C motorhomes are called with the bunk over the top. And, um, they're incredibly popular now. Yes. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's, and there's people that, that, that bring motorcycles along and, and if you RVs that are called toy haulers, they have the back that opens up and there's like a garage back in there. You can put your ATVs, your motorcycles, a small car, whatever you want in the back there and take it out. And then you have all that space and, um, which can be used for, you know, whatever you want to use it for, mm-hmm. including beds that pull down from the ceiling. If you have a bunch of kids you want to put back there. And, um, so there's, um, 
the automotive industry is definitely tied in closely. Um, uh, lots of overlap. Sure. Uh, Chuck, for a, yeah. uh, for a new buyer into getting into this recreational mm-hmm. vehicle stuff, how do they know how big? It's just nobody knows, right, until you do it. Um, how many now, do they normally mm-hmm. buy over their lifetime? They always go bigger. I don't well, think you normal- go smaller, do you? Sometimes people uh, people uh, get a little bit older and they may decide they don't want the big RV anymore. But yeah, most of the time, people say that you get your first RV and that's what you learn from that. You learn what you like, what you don't like. So your next RV, you you kind of know. No, I don't want that. I don't want that. That wasn't good. And so you look for something that kind of addresses all those things that uh, you know were good or bad in your first one. Um, and yeah, generally speaking, I would say people move up. Um, they'll get a Class C motorhome, which is built on a, you know, a, a, a van chassis, and they're not as, uh, they can't hold as much weight. They're they're not really built for a motorhome, and then then but then you get to the Class A's, which are the bigger ones, and they're built on a special chassis, heavy du- heavier cha- duty chassis, that and so they have bigger holding tanks to hold more water, to hold more of their waste tanks, to just bring more stuff along on your trip. Um, and so people get one of those, and then they, and then, for example, fifth wheels. There's a, um, they're always, as far as I know, on two levels. So you typically go in uh, to the coach, and then you have to walk up to the bedroom. And there are people as they get older that have problems with mobility, and they can't. Uh, it's a real pain for them to have to go up to the bedroom that way. So they will go back and by a motorhome, which is all on one level. So there's all those things that uh, factor into um, into what you buy. And, uh, you know, I think people just take their, uh, they have an idea of what they want, they buy it, and um, some of them are perfectly happy. Some of them say we'll keep it um, for a while. I, I don't know if I said it, but the average RVer will buy four or five in their lifetime. So they go back and, I see. Um, you know, every four or five years, whatever. So the best idea maybe would be to buy the trailer or the fifth wheel if you were going that route first mm-hmm. or have in mind and then decide what kind of vehicle will pull the thing. If you do it the other way, what you want might not is maybe too big for your pull vehicle. It goes it goes either direction. I mean, you've got a lot of right now you could buy a small trailer for $20,000. You can buy it for less than that, really small. But they're lightweight. They, this is real popular right now, lightweight traders. That matter of fact, that was a big reason that sales went up was because um, manufacturers started building these really lightweight trailers and that could be pulled by virtually any um, anybody's car that they were using to commute to work or whatever. They didn't have to buy another vehicle. And so that's what a lot of the millennials are buying, these little 20-foot um really lightweight trailers um and they're lightweight and that, uh, you know that also means the quality of the construction is is going to be um it's not going to be as strong um and uh that could lead to problems um but they'll buy that and um and then you know some of them will just use it for family camping trips when the kids are little and that's it and then some of them will We'll say, no, I want a big fifth wheel or, you know, I, I want to have a motorhome because I want to be able to walk in the back when we're going down the road and make a sandwich. Um, um, but, but right now, the motorhomes are only about 10% of the market. Um, the people are buying the towables because they're so much cheaper. There's no engine to um, be part of the price tag. 
Um, so the, that's what's really selling now is the towables, travel, travel trailers, and fifth wheels. Chuck, you know, in the in the automotive world, there's lots of competition, whether it's Edmonds and Kelly Blue Book and Car and Driver, and all mm-hmm. these uh, big websites try to outdo each other, and they they come out early in the year with their you know best cars mm-hmm. of the year before they're even available, and they 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 do all these statistics and blah blah blah. And at the end of the year, um, last year it was like 18 million cars sold, cars and lightweight trucks, 18 million. This year it's going to be somewhere in 17 million. Are, do, do industry followers um, keep those kind of statistics for the RV world? Like this, uh, Winnebago sold 150,000 last year mm-hmm. and Joe X sold this and Johnny Y sold yeah. this. Is, what, what's a good sales year overall for, for RVs and what will it be this year, do you think? Well, I think that it peaked at about a half a million about two, three years ago. Yes. Um, and then it started going down into the 400,000s. And this year it started off terribly. Um, but then it's picked up. Some dealers are selling more now than they were a year ago at this time. Um, it'll be in, I I'm, I'm, can't remember the exact figure, but it'll be, I think, around 400,000 this year. Okay. Um, that's still better than, than you go back five, six, seven years ago. That's still better than back then. So, but it all depends on what goes on with the economy. And, um, right now people are out camping and, but you know, if, if every, uh, if all the places they want to go to parks close down again, and, uh, uh, you know, all the museums and everything's closed, you can go out with your RV, but what are you going to do when you get out there? Sure. Um, I I think long range people are, um, um, I, I honestly don't know what's going to happen. I, I, I think the Felcart gets in trouble where they build them. Then I think supply is going to go down and people aren't, are going to wait a long time to get something that they want or, uh, or the used market just may go crazy. Um, uh, which would is you know, it's always smart to buy a good used one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I, I honestly don't know what's going to happen. I, I've, I've been fooled already, but I do know from our from rvtravel.coms um from from our perspective our circulation our readership has doubled in the last 6 months and it's because there's so much interest right now in um RVing yes so um there is a lot of interest and RVing is a great way to travel and and um and uh so it's it's my dog just came in here with a squeaky toy. That's really nice. <laughs> That's okay. Um, <laughs> when, the dog wants attention. It's obvious, right? Yeah. Yeah, I just need a squeaky toy right underneath my phone here. That's all right. Um, so I don't know what's going to happen with the RV industry. It's it's, uh, but people are definitely interested. And, and you know, if you can't fly to Europe, if you can't get on a cruise ship, and and people want to go out and have a little adventure, I don't know what else to do. That's got the gives you that freedom and, and, uh, and, and, and where you can isolate yourself as much as you want. So I suspect that more people are just going to get itchy and say, Hey, this is one way to travel. Let's, let's do it. And, um, RVs are so comfortable. You don't, you don't sacrifice any creature comforts when you're in one of these things. They're, no. they're you've got everything. If you Even don't the mind, uh, if you don't mind the flattery, mm-hmm. um, you know, every day, whether I forward something to you or a friend forward something to me, we keep hearing about, uh, the world of journalism and publications are folding and or they've gone to da- uh-huh. dailies have gone to six days or major publications have gone to online only and they're raising mm-hmm. their prices but the product is horrible uh, since we live in Sacramento yeah. you can figure out you know one example of what I'm talking about but 
in your world, um, mm-hmm. you're going up. So it, it's part and parcel of the industry, but it's also because you've been at the game a long time and you know the, the ebbs and flows and the trends. And I think that you must be yeah. among the few of, who has a publication where you're seeing great um, in, increase in circulation and traffic and all that kind of good stuff. Well, I think we're, you know, go ahead, James. Uh, I'm just going to say that it's, uh, I I think maybe that there are a few, still a few print publications where circulation's gone up and online uh, there, there must be some, but it's not very many. No, in the RV world, the the magazines are about gone. Um, Yes. uh, There's a couple out there. There's a couple that have been started recently that they have no advertising. They won't last more than a, a year. They just, people want to do a magazine, but it's, doesn't make any sense um, anymore, and especially right now when people want to know what's going on with park closures and where they can go and where they can't go. In a magazine, you're going to have a what at least a, a month by the time you go to press until it gets in the hands of the readers, and everything can change. So, and we can get something out within uh, minutes. So, I think the online world is in, in our world, in this RV world, is <clears throat> where it's headed, and. Um, so we're you know we're in a really good position. Plus we're we have a uh, we have our roots in the print world, and we treat this like a magazine and not just like a blog where uh, we just you know talk about ourselves and uh, that's about it. <laughs> yeah. So first person um, all the time, right? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's the the younger crowd that's uh, kind of uh, you know is used to face Facebook and. Mm-hmm. YouTube, where you basically talk to the camera and talk about your life, and that's that's where a lot of um, you know, people spend their time these days um, looking at RV stuff. I mean, and everything else. But um, I think we stand out because we still respect journalism and ethics and all that stuff. So we try sure. to um, we try to we try to make and entertain people too. Of course, um, that's part of it. Yes. Well, Chuck, it's uh, we could spend the rest of the day. Uh, talking because there's always lots to learn and and uh, soak it all up mm-hmm. and it takes more than a half an hour but but thanks for the 30 minutes we want to yeah. thank our guest um chuck woodbury my friend and and a mentor one of my mentors back in the day um so thanks chuck for the for the time today everybody please visit uh rvtravel.com chuck has two newsletters uh, a week plus daily tips the site is um, comprehensive. It isn't even fair to how to describe the site. It's just everything you want to know about the RV world. And, and of course, Chuck's um, editor's notebook, editor's essay every week is, um, is a great read. Uh, he's always got something good to say, um, whether it involves his travels um, with Gail or the industry or friends and remembrances or uh, places that he's been. So um, that that alone is worth um, taking a look at the newsletter and subscribing. And, and uh, again, Chuck, thanks for being the guest today. We really appreciate it. Thanks. Uh, thanks. Thanks to both of you. It's been my pleasure. Okay. Thanks, uh, Chuck. W- one more thing. Are you still there? Yeah. Uh-huh. I just, I just want to ask you if you were going on the lot right now in uh, what is this? June, July, almost. Mm-hmm. Um, it is July. What what year July. what year is are the new ones right now? Don't they come out earlier than in automobiles? Uh, you know, they. I think well, you're going to see 21 and 22, but the industry is just working on some uh, change in how they do that, and they're they're putting a window in there of of, of time where, um, like the car industry, they can only call it a 22 or a 23 or 21, in, uh, introduce them in certain 
they can't put a 23 model on the lot right now is what they're saying, which the RV industry has been very liberal with that. You know, they can call it whatever they want. That's what um, I heard. So when you're looking for a used one, you're thinking, oh, wow, here's a 2021. Well, no, it's like two years old. Yeah, and with motorhomes, too, you, when you buy a 24-foot motorhome, you, if you go up and you check the, um, the, the uh, automotive part of it, you usually or often find that the automotive part is a, uh, is a year earlier. Um, so my, my motorhome is like a 13 model Winnebago, but the, uh, and the, the actual Ford chassis is an engine is the, uh, the 12 model. So, um, you can always, you know, if you're going to buy a, an RV, go look and see how long, you know, sometimes it's hit on the lot for a long time and, um, that's something else to look at, but that's, that's sure. for another time. All right, yes. thank you. Thanks again, Chuck. Talk to you soon. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye-bye.